Are you working? What kind of work do you do? D.I.G. doesn't. What up, Charlie? Big 12 coming up now. And I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to talking about some of these teams. As we are now previewing the Big 12, Charlie Bornoff, myself, Will Connerly, going to bring you all you need to know about Big 12 baseball upcoming in the 2022 season, Charlie. And there's a, a lot to talk about. Let's get busy here. Let's get right to it. Let's do it. There's a bunch of guys being dudes. And a bunch of dudes that are ultimate dudes in the Big 12. And, I mean, it certainly starts. It's hard to ignore the number one preseason team in the nation who had 50 wins a season ago. That is Texas, who went 17-7 and in league play last year, 50-17 and overall. But that is just one of six teams who seem like locks to make regionals with a few others that might also bust their way as well. I mean, this is a Big 12 conference that you could see anywhere from six to eight teams potentially make the NCAA regional. They arguably have the best player in the country in Jace Young. They arguably have the best team in the nation in Texas. So let's get right to it. And I think let's just start right away with the Longhorns. There is a lot to talk about here, Charlie. Just give me your overall excitement analysis for the number one team in the nation right now preseason. They're the fucking team to beat, dude. They're just they're loaded everywhere. They are East, like I wasn't surprised they're number one there for sure. 100% my pick to win the Big 12, even in this deep conference. Uh, they're, they're really deep everywhere. They have some really good transfers. I wrote in my notes, said they're deeper than Bezos' pockets when it comes to pitching depth. Like they're just going to shove once again. And I, I expect them to do the same thing. The bull, like the pitching staff, dude, they finished first in ERA, opponent batting average, home runs for the Big 12 last year. And then their worst finish was fourth for strikeouts and for the uh, pitching stats. Like they're going to ball. That I mean, that's where we got to start, I think, is the pitching staff. Just unbelievable starting pitching. The best starting pitching, I think you can say with confidence in the country. And the third-year sophomore is going to make a huge run to be national pitcher of the year. The lefty Pete Hansen's just unhittable. 9-1 and one last year, a 1-8-8 ERA, 91 innings pitched, 80 strikeouts and just 23 walks last year. I mean, a 1-8-8 ERA in any league is impressive to do it toward the top of the rotation at texas is just great and he wasn't the only great pitching guy they had last year all american ty madden got lost to the draft but they don't have a lack of talent tristan stevens and tanner Witt. i mean you could see three guys on this team that are first team all big 12 on the mound i mean this strength is just this rotation is just unbelievable it's preposterous dude and i, I am Excited, yeah, like losing Ty Madden should be a massive blow to a program, but like not Texas. They just like, yeah, we don't – Ty Madden, who we're just going to reload and keep going. And I'm personally extremely high on Tanner Witt. I loved watching him last year in the World Series. Now we get him at a year older. Um, Tanner Witt's – he struck out 73 last year as a freshman in 57 innings. Like Tanner Witt's going to be a dog. I think Tanner Witt could be an All-American this year. Not first team, but I think he can easily be in the top three teams. I think this team is just so productive. Their starting rotation is 
with, again, Hanson, Witt, Stevens. It's just unbelievable. You lose an All-American, but you feel like your staff could be just as good or better. And then they also got a shutdown guy in the back end of the pen, Aaron Nixon. He was, had a 2.12 ERA last year with nine saves in the back end of the pen. I mean, you really look at this team. They are hungrier than ever ever coming into this season especially they being so close to the finish line last year i mean it was unbelievable so this pitching we could talk about forever but the stars isn't just limited to the pitching staff Mm -hmm. for texas no it is not um before we get to the stars well actually no hold on let's go back yeah for the stars well i have a sleep i'm gonna tell me my sleeper first and I think uh, someone that could be a, an All-American consideration or possibly even a first-team All-Big first team all Big 12 is Skylar Messenger. Oh, Kansas, yeah. Third-base Kansas transfer. He's been working with Tulo. Uh, Messenger is just so he – he's got he's got a great, complete game, especially for a college player. Doesn't hit for a lot of pop, but I've been hearing reports out of um, Texas that he's been hitting the long ball a little better. Well, that's what I've been hearing. I, Messenger, I've was, I liked him at Kansas. I'm just really excited about him, and if there's something I'm going to – put my hat on it's gonna be Skylar messenger i think he's just gonna absolutely roll for people in the big 12 oh man this experience lineup you put a bat like that right in the middle the grad transfer from kansas hit 324 for them last year has some hop you've also got Ivan Melendez in the middle of this order hit 319 with 13 jacks and 51 RBIs last year. And their backstop is as good as ever in Silas Ardoin, the third-year sophomore. I mean, they have got just out the wazoo some of the best players in the country. My favorite player I want to talk about is another shortstop. And then I don't know if you can look at – I mean, I know Brooks Lee was a first-team All-American, but Trey Faltini may be the best defensive shortstop in the country. So talented, and I think he's a guy who could take this team to another level, but there's not many more levels to go. They were so close in the College World Series last year. Yeah, as long as he hits the bread, that dude becomes an absolute superstar and one of the best shortstops in the country. Like, I don't don't know what the hole is in Texas. Like, there really isn't a hole. It's just – they're just better than everybody. They're just better than everybody else. It's crazy. And especially with Melendez now going to be at first base, that 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 provides any gap about losing Zach Zubia, who was a sure. big-time leader for them at first. I mean, that certainly is going to be a great thing to see. They've got the star in Faltini. They've got Melendez. He just hits bombs. I think Eric Kennedy is a guy who just provides a lot of speed, had 18 stolen bases last year. I'm so excited like you are about Messenger as well. I mean, this rotation, great. Bullpen, great. great. Offense, great. great. I think that is why this is a team that is looking to win the national title. I think that they, they're just dialed in. They're ready to go. I think when you get to the College World Series, the national semifinals, yeah, it's an accomplishment. But I feel like a lot of reason why a lot of these guys opted to return back to Austin this year is because they felt that they had some unfinished business. And them and NC State, those are probably the two hungriest teams in the nation coming into this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the expect- expectations are sky high, and they're sky high for a reason. I mean, if I'm Texas, anything short of uh, the College World Series – 
is an absolute failure for a season. Like this team is just way too fucking good to do anything other than just absolutely rail everybody. But when we talk about Pete Hansen, I kind of want to just dive into him just a little bit more because when we, when we put, okay, first team, all American, maybe preseason pitcher of the year. I don't think we can say those claims without backing it up. Okay. We backed it up because he had one of the best ERAs in the country last year, but He's not a guy that's going to throw 99, 95. He's, he's upper 80s, you know, gets up to low 90. Like he's 87, 89 type of guy. And it's not like his fastball, he's still trying to find a ton of velocity with it. But I don't really think he needs to change much in his game because his command is so good. You look at his walk numbers, he really limits those. And I think that that's why just a dog at the front of your rotation like him is why you've got that experience there. And that just seems like such a great added benefit for an offense that looks to do great things. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. It's just, he needs to just be him again. Like it, it's, it's that simple. Just keep doing what you're doing. It's truly, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I'm sure he's already improved as well. Like, Texas is probably better than they were last year, at least on paper. And I think Tanner Witt, I'm right there with you. It's kind I'm of so him. excited for Tanner Witt. It, it's his time to really shine as well. And, and when you've got a guy that – when you've got starters that can give you length, you, we don't even really need to talk about the middle of this bullpen much, but they've got a great middle of the bullpen as well too. But Aaron Nixon at the back end, who was just terrific a season ago, Absolutely. they've got Zane Morehouse, who's a high-impact junior college transfer who can get up to 95, 96. I mean, they've got a team that you really got to look at. I think freshman Josh Stewart is a guy that you look at, and we've talked all about their offense and I'm right there with you. I think when you add a bat like Messenger already to a team that was so good last year, I mean, the ceiling is so high for this team. And and I don't know what else we can say about this Texas Longhorn team. I know we could talk about them forever, but Absolutely. the number one preseason team in the nation. And the last thing I'll say is like I'm just gonna say again, like I'm so I'm insane. I'm the only thing I'm smoking this year is Tanner Witt and Skyler Messenger. That's the only thing I'm smoking, Will. And uh, I'll probably come out with like a, a like my like favorite players to watch this year, like roster, and those two are for sure on it, especially Messenger. When we've got Charlie, I I think that a team that I know Texas is, looks to run the table, but when we move along in this conference, there this is a team that for me personally. I think could compete with Texas. I think will compete with Texas. And I think this is a team that has a great case to get to Omaha as well. And it's Oklahoma State. Josh Holiday has a ton of talent yes, on this does. team. I mean, this is a program who's been to eight straight regionals, went to the College World Series in 2016. And I think that they could certainly, after going 12 and 12 in Big 12 play last year, 36 19 and one overall. I mean, you look at their projected lineup, it looks, it, it might look more dangerous than Texas's. I don't know if they have what they did on the mound, but this is just unbelievable what Oklahoma State can do with their bats. Talk a little bit about that, Charlie. Well, yeah, we said I, I, Texas is probably going to run the table, but no one said that running that table is going to be easy. And Oklahoma State's definitely going to be right up there and could still, like, they could win it too. I, they're, they're nasty. And the one I'm most excited about seeing is a guy who has never even played for Oklahoma State, and that's Griffin 
uh, Dorshisting. I don't know how you say that name at all. Two, uh, 6'4", 245. He was at Northern Kentucky last year. Well, I'm going to read off some uh, numbers. To call this dude a thumper is an understatement. In 158 at-bats, 316 batting average, 488 on-base percentage, slugging 772, 20 home runs, 34 strikeouts. He's looking down to probably anchor the first base this year for the Cowboys, and I think Griffin could easily be a first-team All-Big 12 player, if not maybe even some national honors. Like The dude just is a masher, and he looks like a Viking. Like, he looks like he could kill me with a punch. No, he. I mean, he is great, and I think there's just a lot to get to with Oklahoma State because so much. you look at their lineup, they have two transfers who I think are going to be huge for them in Chase Adkinson, a third-year sophomore from San Jack, which a great junior college, mm-hmm. and then Lyle Miller-Green, a third-year sophomore from Chipola, and he can – absolutely hit bombs along with the 20 home runs that Griffin Dorshing had last year at Northern Kentucky. I mean, you've got, and Jake Thompson can hit the ball. He hit 342 last year, McLean Brown. I mean, you go down the line with this team. It's great. And I know we said they don't maybe have at least established talent and experiences, Texas, but I think Victor Medeiros may be one of the best pitchers in the entire country as well you look at what his era was a season ago at miami it wasn't great he had some ups and downs he was in the rotation he was out of the rotation but transferring to oklahoma state his stuff is as good as anybody's and that's why he's one of the top pitching prospects in all of college baseball right now yeah he is and deservedly so the dude's an absolute monster another um, player i'm excited to see though is um Somehow he's a four-year sophomore, but uh, right-hander Roman Fansalker. His numbers aren't great from last year, but everybody in Stillwater is super high on him. Let's see, he went 17 innings, 6.35 ERA, 14 strikeouts, 18 walks. His numbers obviously are not good, and everybody listening at home, keep the faith, though, because this dude has talent and ability out the ass. This dude is doors wide open, especially when you're a four-year sophomore. He has plenty of uh, eligibility left, and I think he's going to be a massive piece for this uh, staff. Yeah, I look on their offense. The leader seems to be like Jake Thompson, a sixth-year senior, hitting 342 last year. But, I mean, Noah McLean had eight eight home runs last year. And a guy like Caden Trinkle had five more home runs last year. This team is I, – I really, I, I really think you could argue they, they may be deeper than to Texas. Like, they are so deep. I'm really high on this Oklahoma State team. I think the Cowboys, I mean – Every single weekend series, they're going to be able to – you could pencil them in to really compete and likely win the first game because you've got Justin Campbell setting the tone, had 102 strikeouts last year with a 2.5 or 2.57 ERA, 7-2 and two on the mound. I mean, he is just one of the best Friday night starters in the country. I think when you look after that, I think the rotation is going to have to see what they can do. But their rotation looks like a rotation that is going to lose all three of their starters to the MLB draft with Campbell, Bryce Osmond, and Kale Davis, who were just new recruits. And then Victor Medeiros, I just love his stuff. And he wants to be able to prove his pitch ability moving forward. But the All-American Campbell is where it starts. Yeah, Campbell's where it starts, and I think it might finish with Cale Davis. I'm really excited about Cale. He had pretty good numbers last year. I think he's going to get way better again. Like if, dude, he struck out. He struck out 68 at 50 and two thirds. Like that's you don't stumble into that. Like I've said before, it's just I'm really excited to watch 
Kale Davis, we all know what Justin Campbell can do. He proved it last year. He's going to show us it once again this year. But I think Kale Davis could be one of those, one of the, especially in the Big Twelve, be one of the pitchers that takes a massive step forward this year. And we don't even realize Jake Thompson, a six-year senior, he's played in the SEC. He's played yes. in the Big Twelve. He he's just so mature. He had thirty-eight walks and just nineteen strikeouts last year. And I think Marcus Brown really started to do well after his freshman year. I mean. Uh, we can spend a lot of time on this team, and I think we're going to find out right away under Josh Holiday how good this team is and how good Texas is at the beginning of the year because one thing we didn't maybe hit as hard on for Texas is they have a really tough non-conference schedule and similar with Oklahoma State. So you're going to find out Absolutely. right away how good these teams are. But you've got in the 12, I mean, four of the top teams are all nationally ranked preseason in the top 25. And deservedly so. And all four of them are probably going to get pretty high spots when it comes um, tournament time, dude. I mean, this the Big 12 is packed. Let's move on to Texas Tech. They were 39-17 and 17 last year. And when you look at some of the things that you can do in Lubbock, five consecutive regionals went to the College World Series in 2019. And it all starts with a big man that's in the middle of the order. I mean... It's not a typo, Charlie. 21 homers, 67 RBIs, and a candidate for the Golden Spikes Award this season, Jace Young, the third-year sophomore that hit 337 a season ago. Yeah, the the whole identity <laughs> of this team goes through Jace, and as it should, Jace is – what is he? I think he's like the number one yeah, – I think he's the number one ranked um, – what's it called? Uh, draft prospect for the Big 12 according to D1 Baseball. And, like, I have to agree with him, like, there's not a whole lot that Jace Young can do that is wrong. And he's – hell, he's probably going to hit better than he did last year. So I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm sure he's going to do it. Paul Stillwell also in the middle of that order I think does good stuff. You've also got some other guys that may be able to step up and prove themselves in this order. But everybody knows if you follow college baseball how good Jace Young is. I mean – 20-plus home runs. I mean, they're in a position to win. They're a team that's going to be likely in the top 10 in the country this year, like Oklahoma State, like Texas as well. But, I mean, Jace Young, he's just following in the footsteps of his brother, Josh Young. I mean, he's just – he's one of the premier players in college baseball. There's not much else you can really say about it. He's an expected – he's a preseason first-team all-American as well, and I think that with Stillwell as well in the mix, you've got some guys that I think can do well, Charlie. But when we transition to look at how they can limit runs, we know that they can score them. I think the second-year sophomore, Chase Hampton, I think is going to play a big role in that. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I think I'm really intrigued to watch the one-two punch of Brandon Birdsell and Chase Hampton. Hampton had a really good year last year, only 44 and a third. 3.86 ERA. Let's see what he, 34 strikeouts, 17 walks. Uh, pretty good stuff too. Three pitches. Guys got 90, 93 fastball, 85, 86 changeup, and then his slider's about 80, 82. Hampton, I think this is going to continue to ball and probably get a little better. But the one I'm really excited about is Brandon Birdsell because I love dudes that can absolutely throw heat, and he's been up to in the fall 99 with Brandon Birdsell. And I, if I'm not mistaken, he avoided some big time surgery in the fall as well, which is a big positive for Texas Tech and. Bridgesell might is might be the Friday starter for this team because the dude's ability is out of the, off this world, 
in 35 innings last year. He struck out 36, only walked nine with a 3.06. And I think he can keep balling and want to see what he does over a full course workload as a starter. It's hard to expect a guy like Young to just do that well again after competing for, I mean, he Team USA, everything, he just got the build. And that's why I think there are some question marks for this team. I love Hampton, like you said, and I think Birdsell, I mean, he's going to be at the front end of this rotation, it really seems like. But, I mean, it seems like this is a team that in Lubbock you got high expectations because you have that star power. But other than their two big stars on offense, I think there is some – uh, some other question marks, at least, to see, okay, who else can produce for this team? And so that's why I think, like, guys like Dylan Carter might need to take another step. Because, yeah, you got your All-American back, but who else can go along with him and make an impact on this Texas Tech team? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's great to have stars, especially when you have one like Jace Young. But, like, it's a team sport, and especially in baseball. It, Jace can really only impact the game so many times in one game. And so, like, dudes like Parker Kelly at third base, he only hit 194 last year, will need to step up. Like you said, Dylan Carter's going to need to step up. We'll have to see what Hudson White does as a freshman because he might be catching for them. There's And Cody Masters at DH, too, dude, at 192. They're going to need the bats to kind of wake up a little more because there's two or three guys who only take care of you so far. Absolutely. And I think that when you look at the catcher position, Hudson White, a freshman, he, he's projected to potentially start for this team. And so, okay, what type of production can you get from a freshman um, at the backstop position along with Ty Coleman, who was at Texas A&M, fourth-year junior? Um, and so so, so you, you've got some of those things that you put together for this Lubbock team. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited because it's a team that I really want to watch play because – of Jace Young and what they have on the mound. Brendan Gertrand also in the back end of this pen is somebody that's going to be needing to watch as well, along with Birdsell, Hampton, and likely Andrew Morris up front in that rotation. He's a transfer from Colorado Mesa, one of the best shout-out Division II schools in the NCAA. So that certainly is a lot of excitement around that Texas Tech team. Yeah, I'm excited for Tech. Uh, not as con- – I, they're going to make a regional. I'd be shocked if they didn't. But I'm not as high on them as Oklahoma State or Texas. But in fairness to them, it's kind of hard to be as good as those two, those two teams as well. Absolutely. I, I mean, there's so much you could have said about Texas and Oklahoma State who just hit the transfer portal and got some dogs on the mound and at the plate. And so those two teams will be great. But when we talk about teams that have been great, I think that let's move along. A top 25 team, TCU Horned Frogs. They've been ever since they joined the Big 12. They started making some College World Series trips. Now, their last one was in 2017. But this is a team that they feel pretty comfortable after going 41-19 and last season. And they do certainly have one of the better players in the league, Braden Taylor, the sophomore, hit 324 last year, 12 times, 53 RBIs and 15 stolen bases. And he's just one of the better prospects here in this league because of his youth and his ability to just mash the baseball. Yeah, absolutely. And the, also the impression that Braden Taylor is over a – very full workload of he had 222 at bats last year. I think Taylor's going to keep matching like he always does. Um, I I'm going to mention this because I it seems right, but like 
TCU's a unique situation where, like, I'm not worried about them having a new coach because Kirk Sarles has been around that program for forever and could, it has turned down a bunch of premier jobs just to stay at uh, TCU and because his family loves the area and he loves TCU. So the transition I'm expecting is pretty should be pretty seamless for Sarles and TCU this year. No, absolutely. And I think that what TCU can do to move forward, they got a guy like a fourth-year junior, Porter Brown, who hit 342 last year, took a little bit of a step back in the Cape Cod League this past summer. But I think that if this team can compete toward the top of this league, they need some guys to step up like a Tommy Sacco to help out with this offense. Because, yeah, they do have some key hitters back. The direction of this offense looks good with Taylor and Boyers and Nunez and e even Rodgers kind of in the fold for them. But I think that a big question mark is some of those other bats. But also in Fort Worth, you've got to look at the weekend rotation. I think that still is going to be one of the question marks for this team. Oh, it absolutely is. But um... – it's a question mark, but it's an exciting question mark because I really am high on Austin Crobb and mm -hmm. Cam Brown. Cam Brown really didn't pitch very much at all. He only basically threw a game's worth of innings last year. But he did really well in those innings. He had a 1.93 ERA. He struck out eight, walked three, and gave up a homer. Like, it's a pretty solid outing. So it's hard to see the table on Cam Brown, but I'm just really excited to see what he actually does. The Duke can actually chuck heat. He's going to be 93 to 97, so he's got that fire in his arm. He'll seem to probably smooth that out a little more. And Crobb had a really good year last year as well. Another guy that throws in the mid-90s. He also struck out 96 batters last year on 85 innings pitched. Only gave him one home run, two over 85 innings. So that you know that dude's getting soft contact and just having dudes take a seat. No, and TCU has been known in the past to have some just dominant left-handed pitchers. I mean, and just some big bodies that have done well. And I think that that's what you kind of look for, at least at the top with this TCU team. Austin Crobb at the top of this rotation, 85 innings last year, 96 strikeouts. He went eight and one, had a sub three ERA and only surrendered 37 walks. I mean, you remember TCU, a St. Louis guy, a big six. 6'9 right-hander like a Brian Howard who was drafted in the eighth round out of TCU. I mean, Krav is a guy who can really push the envelope for the team this year. I think he, they have, I think, big-time potential with Brown, Cornelio as well. But you see how this team can perform. I just really like the way Krav can perform because his breaking ball is pretty hard, and I think he could be one of the top starters in the Big 12, and really for that matter, the country. I mean, the top-line guys, look at these Friday night matchups you might see. Krav versus Hanson. Uh, you've got maybe what you got Birdsell versus Crab. Birdsell versus, I mean, some of these top of the line rotation, these Friday nights are going to be so intriguing in the Big 12 this year. Oh, absolutely. And the nice thing, too, is the talent, as we've said, is it's not a, a, an issue. Like the talent's there. See, so guys need to step up. And also, Kirk Starlow, especially in this pitching staff, being a question mark, it's not like he doesn't know these guys. He was literally their pitching coach last year, he's been their pitching coach. So that should not be a problem at all. And basically, they're working like nothing's really changed. I do think, though, the top four is pretty set hitting, like, in the batting batting order, and they're going to ball out. I'm not worried about that. But like like you said earlier, guys need to step up. And I, like, I would really like to see Elijah Nunez step up this year. He's a good defender. He's only a sophomore. But like, I know he's a better hitter than a 225. And I think if he can really get the bats going, that provides a lot of more um, – like, um, 
ah, screw it. He's just, he's just, he'll help out a lot, that, to put it plainly. He's just, if they get Nunez to hit well, that team adds new dimension. Oh, no, I, I like, I agree. And I think a dimension of this team last year is they were one of the oldest teams in college baseball one season ago, lose some experienced veterans, but they make up for it with young superstars like Braden Taylor. Just, I mean, you can't say enough about what he could do. And even Luke Boyers, a sophomore, coming off a great campaign where he hit 307 and had 22 runs driven in so it obviously starts with taylor doing everything for them the the rotation seems like it's going to be formidable but that really is the top four of that lineup really kind of cements the top four of the big 12 conference as well charlie with what we project to see from a 50 win texas team a season ago then oklahoma state texas tech tcu but when we move along there's another team and i think the boomer sooners have a ton of talent when we go look at what oklahoma can do charlie yeah oklahoma is my pick to possibly be the highest climber out of anybody in the uh, big 12 this year and i think that starts and stops with uh will one of your favorite players that you watched in the cape play alongside possible number one pick brooksley and that's peyton graham the redshirt sophomore Peyton Graham is really exciting, has a ton of ability. He's the number three overall draft prospect in the Big 12, and the dude just balls. He slugged 502 last year, had 11 jacks at 288, and he's a big body, too, at 6'4", 185. I don't even say it's a hot take. I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. This team is going to certainly take another step forward. I mean, they were a disappointment kind of last year. They were 27 and 28, 11 and 13 in Big 12 play. But Skip Johnson, he has got a ton of talent. They were a little disappointed. But Peyton Graham being back in the mix, he's a big-time prospect coming out of the Big 12. Jimmy Crooks is a guy that can really just be an investment that just turns to pay great amount of profit for this offense and I think that the Sooners I don't think they'll struggle on the mound again for another season I know that that was a big part of what this team had especially going to last offseason but Jake Bennett I think takes a step forward Chaz Martinez is another guy who I think is a very they've got some talented left-handers in this rotation uh, that can do some good things and I think that the offense uh, starting with Peyton Graham has a pretty high ceiling. Absolutely, I do think the offense can be good. I, Chaz, he's still is Chaz. He's still doing two way, isn't he? Martinez, I assume he is. He had played really well in the JUCO last year. But Chaz Martinez, something I'm really high on because the dude is very legit, not only on the mound but also as a DH. He's 92, 96 from the left side, which I'll take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. And he's got a really good change slider and curve mix. Um. Juco stats aren't anything super excited to get about, but the, you can tell the abilities there. He hit pretty well, though. He had eight homers last year when 279 batting average. Uh, he struck out 20 times, though. And he had, it's, it, the thing with Chaz Martinez is we know the ability is there. We just need to see more of him playing. Like, he only had 61 at-bats last year, only threw 38 innings in Juco. So, you see and, those over a full season. Yeah, exactly. And I think that – when you have a guy like that along with what this team can do on offense, I mean, we say it a lot about these talented big 12 players. I mean, Peyton Graham, he is the clear cut, I think star on this team. He's probably going to be a first round draft pick. 
And other the other guys that come to mind, Jimmy Crooks and Tanner Treadway even, I think Crooks is just a great catcher, hit 287 last year with 10 home runs, but a good defender as well to handle this pitching staff. And then Treadway, he's just athletic. And I know that he had a standout 21 campaign before had some injuries, but he's healthy and he's ready to really help out this team. But big Jake Bennett, on the mound as well, 90-93, does some good stuff. And and the two-way Chaz Martinez, I mean, you you got to like what, Charlie, you just mentioned about that. I think this 21 team, that what happened last year, it was just really disappointing because we do talk at such a high level about these players. And I don't think that they're going to have another disappointment. And I'm with you here. I think this is a team that can sneak into the top 25 this year. Another guy that I saw in the Cape with Peyton Graham that was on the team I was covering was Jarrett Godman. And he's just talented right-hander out of the pen that can just be versatile. He can go a couple innings out of the pen and uh, do some stuff. So I really like the talent that they bring back. Yeah, I'm excited about Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma, I also look at it as a very boomer bust pick to do well because, like we mentioned, there's also a lot of new guys. Like they, like it's, I have it written down. Uh, they have 13 freshmen and 13 JUCO transfers. That's 26 players. That's a lot of – that's a big chunk of the team right there. So as long as those guys can assimilate and buy in, I mean, Oklahoma should be sitting pretty overall. Absolutely. And I think this is a team that I think we're going to be talking about at a more national level moving forward. And at least everyone will, because I mean, the pandemic just really hit this team hard last year and, and they definitely have a lot to like over there for the boomer Sooners. But what about Baylor as we move on and Steve Rodriguez had a team that went 31 and 20 overall last year, they were again, 11 and 13 in big 12 play, but Baylor is a team that this Baylor baseball program is, is really moving in the right direction and offensively, I really like what they have with McKenzie up front. I mean, when you look at what Baylor can do, it all starts with everything that Jared McKenzie can do on the offensive end. Yeah, absolutely. Jared McKenzie's probably going to be a unanimous preseason All-American across all the major publications. The dude's OPS last year was a one one oh seven nine, which is pretty crazy. I I, I like I just like Baylor. Like Baylor's a team where, I yeah, I don't think they're as good as Texas or Oklahoma State or Texas Tech, but they're really fun and, like, they're a really good squad, and I think people should tune into them. Because another thing that's a big um, what's a weapon for them is that they have, like, everyone back. They lost Andrew Thomas and Davion Downey, and that's it. And they only just added guys slash kept basically their whole starting staff again and their whole roster. Like, Jeremy McKenzie's going to rake at 383 last year. I think Jeremy McKenzie will probably be better this year. I'm really excited to see what Trey Richardson does as well mm-hmm. up in the infield. Trey, he hit 308 last year and he had OPS of 852. Probably could use a little more pop, but that's not really his game. So I'm excited for Richardson. Those are two, him, Richardson McKenzie are my two favorite position players to watch for Baylor this year, for sure. And I think if Baylor, one thing is they got to stay healthy on the weekend rotation. Thomas and Helton over in the weekend rotation are pretty good. But Jake Jackson, you know, what can he do? Um, He was impressive. But going from the Mountain West to the Big 12, you'll always wonder what's going to be able to happen. But, yeah, Jared McKenzie, I mean, 383 is what he hit last season with 10 home runs, 44 RBI, off the chart OPS. I mean, he's going to be a a middle to late first-round pick because of just what he can do and 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 so I, I'm looking toward him and I'm of course I mean Trey Richardson it, it, you just assume that him and McKenzie can just propel this offense to pretty good heights this year absolutely and 
I'm, I'm just not worried about them. I think they're going to absolute ball. I think Jerry McKenzie's is absolute bona fide star in this league for sure. I am excited to watch Jake Jackson though, right? Uh, the redshirt senior pitcher, because he doesn't necessarily light the radar. Guys, 88, 91, but he can top 93. But he spins it really well. He's in that like 2,300 to 2,500 RPM range, which is really good. That's well, that's above pro average. He's got a really tight slider at 70, 78 to 80, and he's got a really nice changeup too in that 84, 85. So it's a really nice changeup of velocity. He's not going to really strike out a ton of guys. Last year he had 74 in a third innings and only struck out 44, but he only walked 15. He, like he is, he has excellent command. He's not going to be the sexiest pitcher to watch. But he's just going to be effective, and that's all Baylor really needs from him. Yeah, and Baylor, it's going to be early on in the season. I think that if this team wants to make the NCAA tournament, they just have to take care of business. They play Duke, they play Maryland, they play, they take a trip to Houston to play Tennessee, UCLA, and LSU. So if they can have a good non-conference slate, you look like they could do some good stuff in the Big 12. McKenzie is good. Richardson is good. Jackson is nice. The offense is strong, and this team reached the NCAA tournament back in 2019. I think they will do it again this season, and I think the Big 12 is going to have strong representation after what kind of happened last year, another team that was kind of hit hard by COVID. So I think that Baylor certainly is a team. After you get one of the guys who put up one of the best seasons in school history with McKenzie, you have to feel good with what's coming back to Waco. Yeah, Baylor's one of those teams like uh, Bill Simmons just say he has league pass teams where they're not necessarily going to be the top of the top of the food chain, but are going to be really fun to watch. And Baylor would be my pick for this. Like Baylor is just a really good team. It happens to be in a conference that has some absolute monster of teams in front of them. That's about it. No doubt about it. Let's move on. We, we kind of talk about the teams that I think we just mentioned are going to compete for the NCAA tournament. But now let's look at the rest of the league and maybe some teams that honestly provide some excitement, but maybe you're not talking about them competing at as a high of a level. And that's Kansas State with Pete Hughes, the head coach. 34 wins last year, 34 and 23 record, 10 and 14 in Big 12 play. But this K-State program, they tried to play spoiler last year. They did so to TCU. And I think they're a team that they were up and down. They weren't consistent last year. But I think that they, they bring back some positive offensive performers from a season ago. They've got good leadership. And I just like the direction of where this program is going. And I like to look at the stars. I think they've got one in Dylan Phillips. Oh, Dylan Phillips is an absolute dude. He had, what, 333 last year, 643 slugs, 16 homers. Like I'm, he what they have him as he's an All Big Twelve second teamer. He's preseason All Big Twelve team, and he's preseason third team All American according to Collegiate Baseball. Uh, Dylan Phillips, like the accolades say, and the preseason accolades, like the dude's a dude, and I expect him to keep balling this year. Like he is the heart of this order for sure. I think in K State, if they want to be able to compete in this league, and I think that the realistic approach for them is okay, could we be in the top half of this league? Because you are going up against a gauntlet with four nationally ranked teams on the horizon in the preseason with a couple teams that I think could also be in that conversation. It's going to be the pitching staff. I mean, you've got Phillips, and he is just so good. I mean, when we look at 
what he did last year, hit 333 with 16 jacks, 58 RBIs. I mean, he I think it's he has a big shoes to fill. It's his own shoes because of how well he performed last year. Like, can he do that again? Can Nick Goodwin, who was a really talented prospect on this team with 11 home runs last year, push the pace on the offensive end. I think that they've got some of that offense that does do pretty good. But when we look at the rotation, there was a lot of question marks last year. They couldn't throw the ball effectively a season ago with consistency. And that's what ultimately led to their demise throughout their campaign a season ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers right now. Uh, They're pretty much almost bottom of the league of their conference in most of the pitching categories. They're fifth in ERA with a 4.93. Seventh in opposing batting average, seventh in home runs, and seventh in strikeouts, and those aren't really great numbers at all. And K State's a really, really good hitting team, and they like, they're gonna rattle, they're gonna crush the ball once again. But like, if you can't pitch, you can't expect a team to go out there and score eight runs for you every game. That's just not how it really works. You got 13 first-year freshmen, 12 transfers that weren't with the program a season ago, and I think Christian Rubeck is the one guy on the mound that we look to because he can sit 94 to 96. But, I mean, it's hard to count on one guy to be able to carry the whole bulk bulk of the load for this team. I think that you know Dom Johnson, you know Cole Johnson. Those guys are guys who can probably hit at a high level for you. And even backstop Justin Mitchell, I like the success success and the mindset of this team. I mean, being able to get a series win over TCU on the last weekend of the regular season in a runner-up finish at the Big 12 championship, like this is a team that kind of played spoiler and surprised some people toward the end of last year. Can they take a step forward? The question will be if they can throw the ball effectively this year. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't think this year is going to be able to take the step forward, but maybe in two years they get a little better. I like K-State a lot, but they're just – they're just not the same as the top of the order. Like, they're just not. How about let's move along to Press Virginia. What can they do? And Randy Mazey, 25 and 27 last year, 8 and 16 overall in league play in the 2019 season. But when we look overall at what West Virginia is going to do, they begin their season on February 18th. And I think that when you look at this team, they're a well-coached team, and they have some talent on the offensive end. But you, you are concerned with a lot of guys needing to now make leaps forward for a team that was toward the bottom of the league a season ago. Yeah, and I I don't think this is the year, but this is certainly one of those programs where, like, you can say they're rebuilding, but, like, I believe them when they're rebuilding. They have 22 new guys in Morgantown, which is a lot. And they have some uh, – I know Maisie's really excited about Grant Hussey and J.J. Weatherholt, who are both really exciting, highly touted freshmen. I believe one of them's from – they might be both from West Virginia. I don't remember that part, but – West Virginia is a really good program, and they're definitely one of the teams that really took a hit from COVID more than others, per se. But they're reloading, and if you're a West Virginia fan listening to this, like this year's not the year, but maybe two years, three years from now, West Virginia is right in there possibly hosting a regional. Yeah, I mean, 8-16 and 16 last year in the Big 12. You go up against the gauntlet weekend in and weekend out in this league, and it is certainly tough, but Victor Scott – 
Braden Berry, Austin Davis, I think is a big star for this team. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a great 2021 campaign, but Austin Davis certainly had a great campaign himself. Hit 320, which was the best on the team, and had nine doubles, 18 RBIs, had 17 stolen bases as well. He's kind of a star on this team, along with Victor Scott, who really seems like is the ultimate five-tool player. I mean, he's, he's he looks like just a really good prospect when you look at what he can do. He hit just 222 in 2020 before hitting 232 last year with 46 strikeouts. But Scott, he got 32 walks, and he has the ability to maybe help this team be more competitive this season. Yeah, I really like Victor Scott, and you're going to hang, hang with me here on this um comparison my feelings i have towards him are similar to like joe adele they're not the same player per se but like both more or less five two guys but it's like man if he can just put it together and you know hit well like no one can stop this dude and that's how it counts that victor scott is he has to be he has to get his own way you know he has to get his own way if he want so he can ball out and i think he has the i think he's perfectly able to absolutely be a monster and a, very much a heavy hitter in this league if he if all the things go the right way for him but We'll have to wait and see on him. Yeah, this program moving in the right direction. Talented freshman also in the MLB draft. Will Watson. Yeah. When, well, Will when Watson. You, you look at what they can do, what about Carlson Reed, a talented right-handed pitcher who had a pretty tough first season with West Virginia, seven starts, a, a nearly 7.6 ERA, but maybe he's going to – progressed to be a pretty formidable starter in the Big 12, sitting 93 to 94. Or what Grant Hussey can do, who I was about to mention about being a pretty talented freshman. And, you know, he even played in the MLB Draft League for the West Virginia Black Bears, not too far from WVU, getting to play in that league. Good opportunity for him. But, I mean, there obviously looks like an upward trajectory, trajectory is necessary for this team and it will probably see if okay what is upward for this team can they be in the middle of the pack can they compete for the middle of the pack they've been on a steady uphill climb under the direction of randy Maisie. so since he's took over as head coach they've been able to improve what they've been able to do we'll see if they can't keep doing that moving forward yeah this is just this is a uh, it's just a long play this is some this is the team you invest in this is the team you're not like this seems we're going to be winning a bunch this year, but two years from now, I think West Virginia might be towards the top of that division of that league. Possibly. Like, I'm really excited about their future. And I know Maisie's really pumped. And I love this comparison from Maisie. He said that freshman Will Watson reminds him of Manoa and we all know what Alec did in West Virginia for his uh, career there. So if he's anything like Manoa, that's a big, big plus for West Virginia. Oh, absolutely. Let's keep moving forward. Talk about Rock Chalk and the Jayhawks. Rich Price had his team 30 and 27 is what the Jayhawks went in 2021. 8 and 16 in Big 12 play. And I think that they do have some good potential in this lineup. I like what some of the players that are really making an impact on this team, Jonah Ulane and Daniel Hegarty. Certainly do some nice stuff as well at the back end of the pen. What do you like about this Jayhawk team? Well, I like – I'm really big on two of their uh, position players. One is transfer from Eastern Kentucky, Caleb Upshaw, who had a hell of a year last year, dude. He went 325, 
OPS 961, 11 homers, 34 strikeouts, 25 RBIs. Upshaw is a, was a big get for them, especially with losing. Scott, now, he's not Skylar Messenger, but you know, to try to replace Skylar Messenger, like, Upshaw is probably the best they could have gotten. I'm, they should be really excited they got him. And the other one's Maui Ahuna. Uh-huh. Maui's a really good shortstop. And so him and Upshaw, I think it's Upshaw, yeah, uh, should be forming a really great, exciting middle uh, middle of the infield for the Kansas Jayhawks. And it could possibly, truthfully, be might might be the best middle infield in the pack, in the Big 12. Not yeah. saying it's for sure, but like Maui, I'm I really like Maui. He's a really good defender. He hit 314 last year as a sophomore. So he got on base at a 413 clip, had one homer. Could strike out a little less. He didn't even strike out that bad, honestly, just for the one home run. But he also walked 28 times. I'm excited about Maui and Upshaw. I like both of what they can do for this Kansas team. This is also a team I don't really expect to see a ton from because they've lost a ton of their pitching staff. But those should be bright spots in Lawrence this year. Also, Tavian Josenberger, I think, is a talented prospect for this team as well. But they need Ahuna and Josenberger to play well. I think when we look at the mound, Sam Brady is a guy mm-hmm. um, who, who looks in this pitching staff. Didn't have a great 2021 campaign, just was a little behind the eight ball. But I think they, they like what he had, upper 80s, good command. And if he can spin the ball up there pretty well, I think they can do well. And I like what you mentioned. Upshaw coming to this program certainly can make an impact, and that's why I think that they can still be productive despite Messenger leaving on the offensive end. And I think that they have a a little bit to like. They were up and down last year. They traditionally haven't been the powerhouse of a baseball squad of the Big 12, but they do have a power arm as well. And Ryan Vanderheye, who is back and was up to 95-96 in his fastball lead lows this past fall along with again like we mentioned sam brady yeah vander high is a guy that has a shit ton of ability he's six foot six and you can chuck it 96 97 he'll probably get a weekend rotation spot here the one thing i have to say and this usually goes for a lot of these projectable guys that are at the uh, non-powers that can throw gas though he needs to cut down on his walks he threw 20 26 and two-thirds innings last year had 20 walks struck out 25 as well but vander high can keep that walk right down and be an effective weekend guy for him that's a massive win for kansas right there and that's a massive win for all big 12 fans we just knocked it through and told you all about the big 12 here upcoming for this season i think we both agree it starts at the top with this team when you look at some teams going to get some national attention this year and that's certainly what i'm looking forward to of course with what's going on there in Austin, Texas, and same thing with Oklahoma State. But this conference is really, really good at the top with four nationally ranked squads and a couple more knocking on the door with Baylor and Oklahoma. I'm excited. For the, I'm really excited for the Big 12 this year. There's, it's going to be a bloodbath at the top. It's going to be really exciting. Absolutely. Well, that's the Big 12 preview. Go check out the Big 10 preview if you haven't, and we'll have some more coming up for you next week as well as we are counting down the days until February 18th. The NCAA Division One season will begin. We have it all for you on the Midweek Podcast. Yeah, don't forget to like and subscribe and leave a review for us, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next Wednesday. And to me, it's funny, kid, when you meet heads talk. I see Fed Star. They want to dig up the dirt, son. Is it me they hawk? Because I be putting it.